0: Welcome to FHOP Church, Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Well, if you have your Bible, and David Platt and I hope you do, No one got that joke, I'm sorry. Um, But if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Hebrews. Uh, We are going to be starting a new sermon series. It's going to be probably a long sermon series, and we're excited about it. It's something the Lord put on uh, our hearts uh, several months back, the leadership here at at Foreigner, our hearts several months back. So um, I'm excited about it. I want to I want to tell a story though so back this is 1799 so how long how long ago was that like 200 years ago um in North Carolina there's this guy named John Reed and one day he decides to go to church over in his little community church and his son about 12 years old says dad I'm gonna skip church today I'm gonna go fishing And being a terrible parent, he said, fine. And uh, so little John, our Conrad Reed, goes out fishing. While he's out there, he finds this 17-pound rock. It's very shiny. It's very yellow. He brings it home to mom and dad. And they look at this rock, and it's beautiful. It's strange. And so for the next three years, they use it as a door holder, a door wedge to keep the door open. They just sit it right there, propping the door open, this beautiful 17-pound rock that he found in the stream. Takes it to the jeweler and finds out that this thing, as you probably assume, this is gold. Think about that. A 17-pound rock of gold they're using it to prop open their door for the last three years walking by it every day they had this thing that was worth so much and they had no clue what it was and because they didn't understand its value they didn't understand what it could do for them it gets worse and I blame the next part on the fact that they found it skipping church is that when they take it to the jeweler and they found out what it is the jeweler says well that's gold and let's assume not even the whole thing was gold but just a bunch of it well the jeweler pays him three dollars and fifty cents for this now you, i know what you're thinking what about inflation folks that's still a less than a hundred bucks in today's money why once again because he didn't understand what he had now not being a dumb man he gathered a crew one of which was his pastor, and uh, they spent the next several years in that dry creek bed, uh, and they found a lot after that. But the whole idea is that sometimes, like, can you imagine finding something that valuable, and because you don't know what it is, you just use it to use it for something, you use it to prop open a door, and then you just give it away for nothing. reminds me of, of Jacob and Esau. Esau was going to inherit Tons of stuff, tons of riches. And because he was hungry one day, he trades his inheritance for a bowl of beans. And I'm afraid sometimes we, as as people of God, sometimes we don't fully operate in the things that we're supposed to operate. We don't fully have all the stuff uh, that God intends for us as sons and daughters of the king because we don't really understand what we have. There's more we should be walking in, more we should be operating in, more that we should have. And I'm not talking about physical possessions. I'm talking about in here that we don't have because we don't understand this right here. And I know gone are the days where we have the big giant family Bible on the uh, coffee table in the living room. But some of us, our Bible might as well be that. Because it doesn't get touched much. And I know at this church, we touch our Bibles. We read our Bibles. Maybe more than, than other congregations. But can I tell you something? Our goal isn't to compare ourselves to other churches. Has never been the goal. The goal is to compare ourselves with the identity that God has for us. Thank you. I'm preaching really good right now. Thank you. That was good. And Hebrews chapter 11, and and we're going to spend a little bit of time in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, if you want to do yourself a favor, you can take that little ribbon in your Bible, and if you will just tuck it in to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be here for a few weeks. Because we're going to be talking about this. Hebrews chapter 11 is sometimes called the uh, Faith Hall of Fame. It's all the men and women of God who operated in powerful faith to show God's faithfulness and to show how they trusted in the Lord and how it was through their faith. So we're going to be looking at this. And in Hebrews chapter 11, um, verses 1 through 3, I'm just going to read them real quick, and then we're going to go back and dive through them. It says this, reading out of the ESV, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen for by it the people of old received their commendation by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of god so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible I want to back up to verse one and let's let's kind of dissect this and look through this, because in verse one, it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Say that word hope. Say hope. You guys know what hope means? You know what it means to hope? Have you ever had hope? Kyle, do you hope your mom feeds you lunch today? Yeah. Do you hope it's something good? Well, that's not the hope I'm talking about. We all have hope. I'll tell you one time, I complained about dinner to my mom. And I complained one time too many. And she, the next day, she made cream, peas, and tuna on toast. It was terrible. And she said, we're having this every night until you guys stop complaining. The complaining went away really fast. I hope she never makes that again. But that's not the hope I'm talking about. Sometimes when we talk about hope in that way, that just it's another way of saying wishing. I'm a wishing. Right? Man, I I hope that uh I hope that the Razorbacks do a lot better this year in football. I'm just a wishing. Right? That's what that's what hope is to us sometimes. But that's not what this word is. If we go back and look at the original language, it's not i'm a wishing this word hope is something different in fact in modern english probably a better way of saying rather than hope is to have hope because to have hope is different than to hope i have hope that all of you guys are gonna be real nice to me today i have that hope it's a trust in fact that's probably a better word for it is a is a trust i trust that you guys are gonna be real nice to me today in fact Kyle, I know you're not hoping that your mom will give you lunch today. I know you trust that she will, right? You have that hope. And it tells us that in Christ, we have a hope in Christ. We trust in Christ. To the point today, even when I'm talking to people about salvation, about surrendering their life to Christ, I don't really say, I don't use the word saved a lot, because people don't understand that. I don't even use the word Christian a lot. In fact, a lot of times when I'm talking about Christ, what I like to say, ask people is, have you trusted in Christ? Because what that does is it jogs something in their brain different than saying, are you a Christian? Well, sure, I'm a Christian. Every American's a Christian, which is not true. But to say, have you trusted in Christ is something different. It implies that you've surrendered your life to the king. You trust his kingship. And that's very different than just hoping that you'll go to heaven someday. You have hope that you'll go to heaven because you have trusted in Jesus Christ. So when we look at this word right here, it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We trust. Our salvation is is an issue of trust, trusting in Christ. But there's this whole idea of how do we prove it? How do we show that it's real? And there's a way to do that. Faith, when we talk about it, because this whole chapter 11 is on faith. Everyone say faith. Faith is not just wishing, I, I sure do hope God's real. It's not that. It's that you have hope. And faith, as we're going to see, is the evidence of that. Say faith again. And this is different than what our culture calls faith. Because when our culture, when you turn on the news and they talk about faith and people of faith, they're just talking about religious people. And I'm not just talking about a religious thing. When we look at faith, this is a word that in, in ancient you before Jesus came, the word faith was a word used if you are going to like, it's kind of like a warranty or a guarantee of something, right? So it's like if I go out and I buy this electronic, it usually comes with a warranty. Or if I buy a new car, it comes with a warranty, which is a good thing to have. Because then if the thing breaks, I can take back and they'll fix it. But the only way a company will issue a warranty over their product is if they have faith that it's a good product, right? That's, that's why they do it. They're like, we're pretty confident in our car here, so we're going to put a warranty that goes with it. And if it breaks, we'll fix it. It's a guarantee. It's a warranty. And that's where this word in the ancient language comes from, this word faith. And it's more than just belief how many have ever believed something before right have you ever believed something and later it turned out it wasn't true yeah that's always rough right talking about having to eat crow um that was last week's sermon eating we didn't get to that part faith belief these are two different things because can i tell you something the scripture tells us that when we're talking about god it says even demons believe in god right so belief is just simply a mental assent. it's a way to say yeah in my head i think that's true that's a belief demons believe in god but demons don't have faith in god that's a very different thing altogether that guarantee that warranty in fact in the biblical use of the word the word faith means persuaded I am persuaded. Have you ever been persuaded? Believing something and being persuaded about something are two very different things. It's like belief is here. Persuasion is way more up here. It's like this. It I mean, I don't just believe it. I believe it. I am persuaded. And so this intense persuasion, what it does then is it leads to this trust issue again. So when we're talking about faith and hope, we're being persuaded in things that we trust in. And what it says in this verse, it says, Now faith, or this strong trust of persuasion, is the assurance of things hoped for, of things trusted in. But what we know about things we trust in is that we can't put our hands on them. Isn't that the thing about faith that's kind of frustrating? It was like, I'm going to prove to you God is real. How? (sighs) Where's your evidence? Where's your proof? And that's why I love this word, this, this word assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Um, and maybe in your version it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Have you heard that translation? That's a, actually maybe even a better translation of this, because that word in the original language is uh hypostasis everyone say hypostasis it's greek to me literally the word hypo hypo means down or under stasis means to stand or be stable so hypostasis it literally means like a firm foundation like a grounded stability down below and in ancient times aristotle i may have heard of aristotle in school like oh my gosh why are we talking about aristotle I left that behind. That's the part of class where I usually zoned out for a while. Aristotle was one of these great Greek thinkers, right, that everyone holds back to But Aristotle, he would would philosophize and do all these things. And, And he had this word that he would use for objective reality, the things that were tangible you could see and touch, as opposed to illusion. There was illusion and there was objective reality. And this word for objective reality was this word, hypostasis. It's matter. It's the things you can put your hands on. It's substance. And that's why, baby, the word substance is better in this verse right here. Because what we're seeing is is that faith, this full persuasion, is the substance. It's the objective reality of things we hope for. In 2 Corinthians 11, it's the same word Paul uses when he says, well, I put confidence in my flesh. He's talking about, I'm a fool. I'm a fool, but sometimes as a fool, I put confidence in my flesh. You know why I put confidence in my flesh? I can get a hold of it, right? I know what I can do. I can get a hold of this. That word confidence is this same word, this confidence in in the flesh what's crazy is flip over to hebrews chapter one and this is where my brain starts like doing backflips inside and getting excited back in hebrews chapter one the writer of hebrews which i should probably go ahead and say we don't know exactly who the writer of hebrews was many think it was paul or another writer but it was written we believe to the hebrews but it says this it's talking about jesus And listen to what it says about Jesus. It says, Jesus, in verse 3 of chapter 1, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and upholds the universe by the word of His power. That's a great place to shout amen. That's a really good verse. I'm getting really excited. I don't know. We should hand out more coffee before church. In this pentecostal church um no we don't want to work anything up i'm just gonna to have to preach you to it i'm gonna preach you to deliverance today people um when it says that jesus is the exact imprint of his nature it's talking about the nature of god jesus is the exact copy the exact in fact this word is like it's an engraving tool and if you look at the two things it's a it's that looks the same to you that's what that word means in the original language like jesus looks exactly like god and we know why from other scriptures because he is god manifested in the flesh but what this is trying to say in this verse is that god becomes a man he has flesh he's substance that we can touch right and that this is the exact same word of hypostasis that's used later on in verse uh, in chapter 11 verse 1 that god putting on flesh is proof that god existed and he loves us and he cares about us and when we look at hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for that's what this is that your faith actually has substance that's what this is and so what does this mean if we go on to verse the rest of the verse it says it's the conviction of things not seen and and another translation will say is the evidence of things not seen and that's actually probably a better translation as well it is the proof of the things we cannot see so what we find out is that our trust has substance and that substance is faith And the things we can't see, there is evidence for it, and that evidence is faith. Your faith is the evidence of the things that you're trusting God for. Not just our salvation, but all of us are dealing with junk. On a week-in and week-out basis, all of us are dealing with stuff in our life that we're having to walk through. Situations come up at us. Some of them are financial, some of them are emotional, some of them are just, and they knock at us, and we're like, how in the world am I going to get through this? And the answer is, to trust in God, but, okay, fine, I'll trust in God, but where's the proof that this is going to work out? And the proof of your trust is faith. That if you trust the Word, the, the proof that it will work is, is is your faith in His Word. In fact, that's what we saw back in verse 3, is that, the whole world is being upheld. The whole universe is being upheld by the words of Christ. There's something about the word that is powerful. I'm getting ahead of myself. What we see here in, in verse 2, it says this. It says, For it, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And, and the people of old, that's all these... How many heard a bunch of stories when you went to sunday school growing up right there's tons of bible stories abraham and joseph and moses there's even a prostitute in there seeing if anybody's paying attention all these bible stories it says all these people of old that's the people of old they're talking about all these people of old received their commendation how by faith and what is that word commendation actually i got really excited when i was studying this it actually means testimony sound familiar that's last week last week if you weren't here testimony was a revelation that god gave us and what we find out about testimony last week that testimony means can you tell us again it's prophecy it literally means he will do it again it says the people of old, they they had a testimony. That's what this verse means, verse 2. They had a testimony. By faith, and I don't know if the word received, I really like it there when I looked it up. But by faith, the people of old had a testimony. Which means, when I read through Hebrews chapter 11, and seeing all the things that these men and women of God did, what I'm seeing, if he did it then, he can do it again. Because it's a testimony by which the people of old lived. Well, we're going to find out later is this is we, we can exercise our faith and we can use these people as an example but that's not for today either i'm wanting to preach so far ahead god help us there's so many weeks we have to get through Would it be nice if we could make the unseen visible? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, maybe. There's always problems. Verse 3, by faith we understand. First of all, I'm going to stop. There's a lot of things that are about to come in this list. This is the first of many things, and it's the only one we're going to get through today. Is verse 3. But the only way we can understand this entire list is what it says in verse 3 is by faith. By faith we understand that. And here we go, buckle up. So, if we start talking over the next few weeks and, and we start talking about Abel and Cain, if we start talking about Abraham... And you're like, I don't understand. I'm going to ask you to venture out and exercise some faith. Because it's by faith we understand. By faith we understand. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And and this is what we see if we look at Genesis. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And if you want to know Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible verse 3 is what it says and this is my favorite this is how powerful the word of God is Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 and God said let there be light and there was light I I actually love this in the original Hebrew this verse is only 6 words long and it would be this God said light exists light existed it doesn't get any simpler than that that's how powerful the word of god is light exists light existed done and i love it as you go through the genesis story of creation it's almost like the next few days, God gets a little more wordy and a little more wordy and a little more wordy with his descriptions of the things he wants to make. But it starts off with this simple, light exist. And what I love is, is and, and this is how, like, we're talking about proof. We're talking about evidence, right? And, and this is where, like, we very much differ than some scientists, although not all. And what was crazy to me, and this is, I'm just going to throw this out there, let you think about it. I was listening to some scientists talk the other day. By the way, some of these guys I was listening to were atheists. Um, but what they were talking about was how they've been looking at how much DNA we have. And it's just mind blowing. And given the amount of time we think, The universe is. Some scientists think it's billions of years old. From when life started to what we are now, they start putting it through a math calculation. There's there's actually no way mathematically, through trial and error, that we could have evolved from that to this in this amount of time. You would need several, several, several times more amounts of time to get where we are. And so these atheist guys are thinking, so we we think that if evolution is true, it was guided by someone. And the guy goes, do you mean intelligent design? He's like, nope, nope, nope. Not going to say that. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't think evolution is true. Um, I, that's a different conversation for another time. Um, but... But I just thought that was very interesting. There's some people in Hollywood now subscribe to something called, get this, simulation theory. Now if you think 30 years ago, if you bought your kids a video game, it was a couple of lines going like this and a little ball bouncing between them. You had that. Phong? Yeah, okay. Okay, 35 years ago. And if you go and look at a video game today, in fact, I'm I'm a fan of virtual reality, you put that thing on and boy howdy, you can't hardly tell it from real reality, some of it. You've got these little characters that will react in so many different ways to you, and there's this whole, it's a simulation, and as much advancement as we've had just in the last 30 years, there's some people, especially in Hollywood, they subscribe to the simulation theory where they think, okay, okay. Simulations have got so advanced, it's possible that we live in a simulation. But you're an atheist, yes. But you think we might live in a simulation, yes. So who created the simulation? Uh, uh, You guys are contradicting yourself. And I could go through scientific thing after so the, the, the thing I love back when I taught science um, in middle school was you ta- start talking about the law of conservation of energy and the law of conservation of mass, which means basically just says something can't come out of nothing. And people just start going, wait a minute. What, a, what about, what about, wait, what, what about? And they start questioning all these things they've heard for all these years in their public school education. And these are scientific laws. These aren't the theories. And it just gets me excited. But can I say, you can take all the science all day long, and if your faith is based only on science, which I'm for science, but if your faith is only based on science, then I think you're going to be hurt in just a little bit. Because my faith... Even though I love absolutely love science, my faith isn't based on that. It's based on this right here, the Word of God. Turns out the universe, and, and, and this if people who listen to this, this is going to just, they're going to scream um, if they don't believe the way we do. Turns out science isn't what created the world. Turns out it was the Word of the Lord. Turns out it was the Word of the Lord. And by his word, everything that is seen came from an unseen word. And what you have to understand is when we look at this passage, I I just want to draw this connection between 11.1 and 11.3 because it says the world was created by the word of God. And this is what it says. So what is seen was not made of things which are visible. And the writer here is trying to connect this back to one, which which says what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. He's drawing a parallel saying, even the world itself was manifested. It was created. It became substance through an unseen word. So the power here lies in the words of God. As we saw through the words of God, which up. Hold the universe. The word of the Lord is powerful. It's powerful. And it's by which we exercise our faith. If we look over at Mark chapter 11, this is a, a verse that I wanted to avoid completely. Yeah, I know. I didn't. Because sometimes we look at things in Scripture and we're like, okay. That's what it says, but that's tough. In Mark, let's say Mark, Mark chapter eleven, in verse twelve, it says this: On the following day, uh, when they came from Bethany, it says Jesus was hungry. That was also last week's sermon. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs and he said to it may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it which i think is kind of unfair for this tree because it wasn't season and yet jesus still was like you know what if you're going to look like you have fruit on you you better have fruit on you you have leaves you better have fruit it should also be no he goes then later and after this and he cleanses the temple and kind of like we the the bald eagle is a symbol for america the fig tree was kind of a symbol for the nation of israel at that time i think jesus was speaking something prophetically here like you need to bear fruit we need, you you're supposed to bear fruit you're god's chosen people bear fruit fast forward to 20 says as they passed in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots and peter remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree you cursed has withered and jesus answered them have faith in god this is the thing what's the purpose of all things to glorify god here he is peter's getting really excited about a withered tree and jesus is like no 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 let me tell you something have faith in god have faith in god truly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him therefore i tell you whatever you ask in prayer believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then it goes on to say, you need to forgive people when you pray too. This is a part I wanted to avoid because it says that you can have anything you ask for in prayer. That's what it says. It also says that you can say to a mountain to move. And it has to move and it's it's really easy to stand here and be like well he doesn't really mean a mountain this is just he's just using um using symbolic language here to i mean that would be the easiest thing to do and i do believe there's a sense when that's true that We can have mountains in our lives. And we can speak the word of the Lord. And we can pray. And God can move those mountains in our life. I absolutely believe that with all of my heart. But here, this is what Jesus is saying. And I know there's times when Jesus was speaking, He didn't mean things literally. So, I've spent a ton of time researching and looking and trying to decide... Did Jesus really literally mean that we can move mountains? And this is what I have, and I'm not sure. uh, Well, I'm not sure I really still fully understand, but this is what I've come up with. I think if you have enough faith where you will try to literally move a mountain, then you probably have enough faith to do everything else. If you have enough faith where you're literally trying to say a mountain, you need to move and go over there. Then you probably have enough faith in prayer to get anything else you need. And what's crazy is later on in, in another passage, the disciples come to Jesus and they were trying to do some stuff and they, they couldn't get it done. They were trying to cast out some demons, whatever, and they're like, we can't handle this. And, and Jesus tells them, he says, look, you, you have little faith. All you have to have is faith like a mustard seed. And you can move mountains. And that's crazy to me because he said you have little faith. And to my mind, a mustard seed is a little faith. But but apparently, a little faith must have been like almost no faith at all. Because I think I can come up with just a little faith. Here it says that if you'll if you believe it and not doubt. And and here's what I know. Cause he's talking about prayer. And this is what we when we talked about prayer in our discipleship this week. I know that when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, Your will be done. I said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So And another place in Matthew six, just a little bit earlier, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What I'm seeing this pattern in scripture is like what when we pray, we pray after the heart of God. We pray the things God wants. In fact, what I would say is we pray the word of God. And as we pray the word of God, we're praying the will of God. And when we pray the will of God. We will have whatever we ask for. So good luck praying for that Lamborghini. Because I'm not sure that's the heart of God for your life. But pray the word. Pray the word. And if you don't know what the word says about a certain situation you're going for. Google it. Find it out. Search the scripture. Dig in. Until you find what the word says And then begin praying that word because we know that the entire universe is upheld by the words of Christ. Begin to declare the word. And when we're going through all the things that we go through on a weekly basis, begin to declare the word. Well, nothing's changed in my situation. I haven't seen any results yet. And can I say the evidence of the results, the substance of your trust that things will change is your faith. Your faith continually speaking this Word into whatever your situation is. Because, listen, I've gone through some situations. And I'm telling you today, I don't know how I could have come out the other side without speaking the Word over and over and over and over again. And I've seen the Lord answer prayer after prayer after prayer And I believe it was not because of anything great I did, but I just had faith in His Word. The only way you can have faith is from His Word. Which is weird to think about. And this is something we can dig in more later, but the only way you can even have faith is from the Word. In Romans chapter 10, let's actually go there. And you because this is one that you need to highlight and underline and circle and memorize and all the above in Romans chapter 10. And here he's actually talking about preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation message. But I believe this is true for anything going on. I think this principle applies. In chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And if you are going through a situation that seems hopeless, if you're going through something, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this on my own what i would say is get into the word so your faith can be built have someone speak to you the word get in your car and turn on your bible app and let it read to you the word get around men and women of god who will speak to you the word as you go through your hard time and as you do your faith will be built because faith comes through hearing. Hearing what? Hearing through the word of God, the word of Christ. And what we know, and you can just write this down from First Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-three. It says the the only way we're even born again is through the word of God. You can't even be born again through the word of God. It reminds me, or it says in scripture, it is by faith we are saved. And not, at our, not, at, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So the entire fact that we're sitting in here today as believers, as people who trust in Christ, is because of a, a word that was spoken to us, faith that was imparted to us through the Word of God, and our spirit was made alive. And in reality... In reality, your spirit man has more substance than your body does. And that's hard to grasp. Our eternity is more real than this little short time we have on earth. And that's so hard. Because our eyes, we see the stuff. We see the lights. We see the people. We s- the thing we see seems the most real. But if we could take this room this morning, and if we took, imagine we took a line and we drew it on the wall all the way across this room. And after we got all the elders calmed down for drawing on the wall. Yeah. What are you doing? We need to paint anyways. Um, Imagine, coming over here, imagine that this line that we've drawn all the way across all these walls right here represented eternity our life would be like one tiny little dot on this wall one tiny little part which is more real the little part that we can think we can see right now or the eternity that we're already living in and that's and that's what we have as christians listen we're we're not waiting to go to heaven I mean, yes, heaven is in our future, but we're not waiting to go to heaven. The reality is, is that we're declaring the kingdom of God to come right now. We're declaring heaven on earth right now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're trying for the, we're ambassadors of heaven now. We're trying to let heaven invade every area we walk in now. We want heaven to start now. And so, What that means is our salvation is more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It means we're not just waiting for heaven. We're ushering in heaven every day, every place we go. And the way we do that is with our faith. Zach, can you come on up? Today, this was more of a teaching than a preaching, if you will. In my mind, the way I differentiate that is did I tell them a lot of wordy things or did I get them excited about serving Jesus? Um, which, a lot of wordy things gets me excited about serving Jesus, but I know it's all a little bit different. But this is a teaching this morning on what faith actually is. And what I know from the Scriptures is that this is alive and active. In fact, from Hebrews it tells us that. That the Word of God is alive and it's active. And so what that means for us is we need to be in this Word. We need to be clearing, declaring things from this Word. And I know, I know, I know, I know. It's easy for me to get up here and say, I know you're going through a hard time. Just declare the Word. That's one thing for me to get up here and say, a whole nother thing for you to walk it out because when you walk out those doors all the stuff is there all the situations are there but but this is this is more than just a tool in our hand this is the powerful word of God and like like if it if it were my last Sunday to ever preach Ever again. The thing I would preach. Is be in the word. Like let the word sustain you. Make it everything you are. Because. Because my words. My words. They'll echo off these walls. And we'll all forget them here. In a few months. Right. But this word lives forever. This word endures. This word is. By which we have faith. It's the Word of God that created the universe. And so my last sermon ever to believers would be, get in the Word, 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 get in the Word. Because I know what's going to happen is you get in the Word, you're going to see teachings on prayer. And you're like, oh, well, I should be praying. You're going to see lessons on on serving. And you're going to start serving more. Get in the word, get in the word, and your faith will grow. And it, and we, you're probably like me. Does anybody else in here sometimes now I'm preaching? Um, does anyone else in here ever have conversations with someone when they're not there? That is the worst thing in the world. Right? we have these thought processes and like i'm just they need to know this this and this and if they say this and i'll say that and we get ourselves pretty worked up and then when that person shows up even if we don't go through that conversation out loud it's in our hearts and we treat them just a little bit differently true if we could tell ourselves to shut up just for a minute and be like what does the word say about my situation whoa take every thought captive that's in the word this is this is where we live And so if we could start declaring, and I would say, instead of in our head, even out loud, so we hear ourselves talk about the situation and find word that goes with it. And not just with people. You're worrying about your finances. There's some great stuff in Matthew chapter 6 for you. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. You need healing in your body. What does it say in James? Say it out loud to you, to yourself. Speak the scripture. Hear yourself say it. And by it you build faith. You build faith. And this is where we live. We live by declaring the word. And that's, this is the only thing I know now. This is the only thing I know now. And it's not even fair because I've gone through so many trainings. Been so many times learning so many things, and through it all, my testimony is this is the only thing that has ever held true this word. And it offends my flesh and it offends my intellect, and I do not think it's fair, but it's good, it's love, and it's life changing. Will you stand with me and just, can we just pray? Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. God, and we thank you, Lord, that through your word our faith is built. God, we know that by faith through your word that the entire universe was made, that the entire universe is of hell. God, we need your word. We need your word. But we thank you that that you sent your son Jesus Christ. To live that sinless life. To be that exact imprint of Your nature. The manifestation of God. So Lord, we can see who You are. God, this week I pray as we dig into your word, first of all, I pray for this congregation that their faith would be strengthened in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. That they would speak the word with faith. Because if Lord, if if your word can bring stars into existence, then your word can change my situation. And Lord, even though I don't see the situation changing, I know that there's evidence, there's substance in my trust. And that is this faith, me being fully persuaded that your word is true. And I will stand upon your word in the face of any situation. Jesus I just want to thank you for your redemptive work on the cross Lord, I have faith that that work has taken away every sin every shame Lord, I have faith in your victorious resurrection from the dead. Lord, thank you for showing yourself a victor. We have faith in your victory. Lord, and we stand as sons and daughters, as heirs in that victory. Jesus we trust your mighty name Above our own understanding we trust you we trust your word I'm just reminded this morning to trust in the Lord with all your heart Lean not on your own understanding And all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths That's, that's the word we leave with today. That's the word we leave with. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.